Good morning, good morning, good morning. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be a good day. Come on. Gonna, come on, you got, you got an hour more sleep. Come on, everybody. It's a good day. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hey, before we jump into uh, the word today, uh, we're on a series called uh, Partnering with God. But before we jump in, I just want to remind you of something that's happening this week um, in uh, our community, in, in our state, in our county, and really, you know, in every state in the United States, is that we have the opportunity in the United States to vote. Come on, somebody say vote. Um, uh, listen, uh, it is our civic duty to vote. Um, there's a lot of people who complain who might not vote. You know, don't be in that camp. Be a voter. Be a voter. Uh, let me just encourage you um, right here, if you live in Chula Vista, that I do. A lot of folks here around live in Chula Vista. Um, we actually have a mayor and two council members who are running for office who are believers. And not just, not, so let me say this, is that, um, let, let me mess with your business for a minute. Is I'm not voting for a pastor. I'm voting for a politician who will keep godly principles. So, so, so let me encourage you. Uh, um, if someone says they're a Christian, but they're a moron fiscally, I don't care. Because I'm not voting for a Christian who can't balance a budget. That's not the point. The point is, in that office, we need someone who can represent godliness, morality. Come on, somebody. Family. Come on, the unborn. Come on, somebody. Fiscal responsibility. So let me just encourage you. We vote godly guidelines and values. We vote biblical values and guidelines. We vote common sense that's very uncommon now. Vote common sense. We, we vote moral guidelines. We, we vote for those that will uphold the law. Come on, everybody. We, we don't vote for lawbreakers. Those that will uphold the law. Those that look at the Constitution and will uphold it. So, so, so listen, I don't vote for a white man or a white woman or a black man or a black woman or a Hispanic man or a Hispanic woman or a Latino man or a Latino woman or an Asian man or an Asian woman. I don't vote just Democrat or Republican or liberal. I vote God. Come on, somebody. Moral. So, come on, everybody. So... You need to vote because our vote is, our, is our, 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 the ability that we have in our country to, uh, to cause uh, godliness to keep moving forward. And uh, we can vote people in and we can vote people out. Amen? amen. Come on, somebody say amen. 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 amen, amen. All right, let's jump into where we're going today. We're on a series of lessons called Partnering with God. If you've been with us, uh, uh, we've been discovering some phenomenal things concerning this subject. We'll go probably one more week and then jump into some other things toward the end of the year. But really, uh, partnering with God is all about us understanding this, what we call what partnership really is. It's a legal transaction between two people, naturally. But the transaction we're talking about is a transaction and a partnership between us and God, or God 
God in us. And it's really amazing that God wants us to be in partnership with him. He gives us the opportunity to be in partnership with him. He, in the, the biblical word that we found out several weeks ago is this word called covenant. So when you think of partnership along a natural lines and, and, and a spiritual line as well, it would be this, this agreement, this joint connection, this I have responsibilities, you have responsibilities, partner. I, I'm doing this, you're doing this. If I do this, we're sharing jointly with whatever comes through and by this partnership. But, but also now we're looking at a spiritual application. That's this word called covenant. And we found out that this covenant has been ratified in the blood of Jesus. It's an eternal covenant, an everlasting covenant that will continually work in your and my life regardless of what it looks like, regardless of generation after generation, who's in office, who's not in office. This partnership, this covenantal partnership with God will always be applicable in your life and with you and with your children and with your children's children. Can somebody say amen? amen. God is inviting us into being partners with him. He, can you imagine the God of the universe, the God who created everything we see, says, I want you to be in partnership with me. I'm giving you the ability to join with me, to be a co-laborer with me in my activities in the earth. And believe me, you're going to be a recipient of benefits when you do. What, what a great open door. What a, what a phenomenal open door. What, what, what would you do now just thinking naturally if, if you could roll back the clock to 2021 and, and, and Steve Jobs, who I don't know exactly, I think he died in 1997, or even Tim Cook with Apple now, said, I'm going to let you join with me in, in, in purchasing a million Apple shares, and it's only going to cost you five cents a share if you had five million dollars. Or bring it down to whatever you've got, $5,000. And that $5,000 has been multiplied 2,000 times. So now you're worth $10 million because somebody gave you the ability to partner with them. If you could look back 20 years, what would you have done? And God says, listen, what I've got for you is more than just something natural. I've got something that, that's got natural application for sure, but it's spiritual, will work in your family, will work in every aspect of your life. I want you to partner with me. Come on, somebody, what a great opportunity. So I want to encourage you, partner with God. Partner with him. We, we, we found out several weeks ago that there was a guy named Jabez, and he cried out to God and said, God, bless me, enlarge my territory. Come on, let, keep, keep me from evil, let your hand be with me. And God granted this brother his request. We found out that God talked to a man named Abraham and chose him from Ur of the Chaldees. He's worshiping a crazy moon god, and the culture was bananas. And God said, I've chosen you. And he said, I, I've blessed you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a man who, who my purpose and my plan is going to flow through. And I'm going to make you a blessing. I'm, I'm blessing you so that you'll be a blessing. And that's the power of God in partnership in a man and a woman's life, where God says, I'm blessing you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pronounce my blessing on your life. So for the last several weeks, we have found that the believer in Jesus Christ doesn't have to pray to be blessed. We don't have to cry out, oh God, bless me, bless me, bless me. I like the Old Testament prayer, Jabez, it keeps me, keeps me thinking, right? Lord, bless me indeed. Then I find the New Testament, it says, he has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So I'm not trying to get blessed. The minute you say yes to Jesus, you are blessed. 
So come on, can somebody make the declaration today with me? Just say, I am blessed. Come on. Just, you can say it boldly. You don't have to cower back. You are blessed because you have a loving heavenly father who wants to take care of you richly. Come on, somebody. Uh, again, we found this out several weeks for three weeks now about this blessing, about how there was this guy named Melchizedek last week who shows up with this man we just talked about named Abram. And, 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 he, and Abram comes back from gathering all the spoils of these alien kings that took his nephew Lot and all their stuff, and he brought it all back. And at the, at the end of that whole encounter, Melchizedek, who is a type of Jesus in the Old Testament, appears to him and pronounces a blessing on his life. And in response to the blessing, Abraham, who the scripture calls our father in the faith, brings and gives to him a tithe of everything that he got. Brings and worships and gives to him 10%, the top 10%, the tithe. We found out that this really is how God operates. We're going to find that out again today. That when the person realizes, I'm blessed, the normal response will be, since we're in partnership, I'm going to do something that represents my part of the partnership that's joint to you in understanding you have already blessed me. Psalm 115, you can't mistake it here in the Old Testament. In Psalm 115, verse 13 through 14, the scripture says this, He, God, will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. No matter where you're at in life, small or great. No matter how much money you have, small or great. No matter what your status is, small or great. The Bible says he will bless you if you fear, reverence, and honor him. Check out what it says in verse 14. May the Lord give you increase. I've added these words because this is what it says in the actual Hebrew from the Old Testament. God will add to you again and again more and more for you and your children. This is what the scripture says. He will bless you, those who fear the Lord, small and great. And he will increase, he will add to you again and again, more and more for you and your children. Will he do this or will he not do this? The scripture says he will. So I just simply raise my hand as a partner with God and I say, bring it on, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. I fear you. I delight in you. I'm honoring you. I thank you that you said you will increase me, me and my children more and more. Summarize what we found out last week, as I said a moment ago, from this encounter with Abraham and Melchizedek, it summarizes this, is that God has blessed us. He has blessed us. Not going to bless us, not praying to be blessed, past tense, has blessed us. The minute you say yes to Jesus, God pronounces blessing on your life. He has blessed us. Then, in response to the blessing, then we tithe in response to his blessing. This is the encounter. This is all the encounter was. There was nothing else to that encounter. There was no dialogue after this encounter. When we read the Bible, we've got to take it for face value. We've got to read in between the lines sometimes, but we don't have to read any more or any less than what is actually there. If there's more that was needed, we'd have more. Melchizedek shows up after Abram gets all these goods back from Sodom, from, from the, those kings taking all that stuff away. He brings it all back. He brings all the people back. Melchizedek, a type of Christ, shows up. 
He blesses Abraham, and Abraham then gives to Melchizedek 10%. Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews chapter 7 that we read, but that is all the encounter was. There was no more prayer meeting. There was no sing-along. There's no worship service. The encounter is God has blessed me, and in response, Abram says, here is the tithe. Proverbs 10, verse 22 says this, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. Now, when you read this, there might be some people that get nervous with this. Well, I thought if I'm not a Christian, I'm supposed to be poor. The scripture teaches nothing about that. Poor in spirit, humble in spirit, needy in spirit, serving a God, not proud, not arrogant, not cocky. I need God. That's the poverty. That's the poorness that we have, that we always demonstrate towards God, worshiping toward God, looking to God. I'm not going to make my way. I can't save myself. I can't redeem my life. You are my redeemer. I'm poor in spirit. I need a savior. But he says here, this blessing that we have talked about for the last three weeks, it will make one rich. Rich means abundantly provided for. God wants to abundantly provide for you. If you're single, if you're married, if you're a senior citizen, if you're on a fixed income, if you're a multi-billionaire, God wants to make you rich and realize he owns it all. Come on, everybody. You, come on, church. He, we're in partnership with him. He owns it all, and we find out, and we will find out, that he's asking you and I to manage and steward what he has given us. Understanding, it's not my own. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You're the one that you raise someone up and you lower someone. You told us a, a parable, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 25 called the parable of the talents, which the talents in our generation, people think, well, you sing and you usher and you can teach and you can, you're a nurse. That's not the talent he's talking about. Talent was a monetary system of transaction. It was money. Jesus tells a parable. He gave one talent to somebody, one sum of money. He gave three or two to another one and five to another one. Nobody got to choose what they got. The owner gave it to you. You were born in this earth to the family you came in. You've got the job. You're fulfilling, hopefully, the purpose and the plan that God's got for your life in the employment sector. God has given you one. God has given you two. Or God has given you five talents. And God says, I'm going to, I'm in, in, I'm, I'm interested in you multiplying that, multiplying that, working it. I'm not going to give you more unless you're faithful with what you have because we're in partnership. We're in partnership. The blessing is what's going to make you rich, and he's not going to add any sorrow or any toil. It's not going to be grievous, different translation says. So listen, when we read the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, you cannot read the Bible and come away with this crazy religious stance thinking, God wants to hurt me. God wants to keep me broke. God wants to take everything from me. It's just not there. On the contrary, what we find is that the Lord is the one who wants to just flat out bless you. So anybody want to get involved with that? Come on, somebody. Yeah. That's part of what comes to us as children of God. We found out a couple weeks ago 
that when we started talking about Abraham, that the blessing that came on this brother and sister's life, Abraham and Sarah, that it was a spiritual blessing. It brought them and gave them sonship. They had God as their father. He was going to be, he was going to be the source of their life. It, it, it brought a physical change in their lives. It was physical. They could all of a sudden have a child named Isaac and would have a multitude of spiritual children that they couldn't after that, before that they were blessed, before God showed up. And that also had, a, had an application of a material blessing. I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. It hap it's, it's in every single realm of a person's life. So I want you to think that the blessing of God just doesn't mean, well, it's spiritual and God's, you know, I got the word and I got church and, and all. Yes, it is. Absolutely. And I know who God is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or, or it's, just, it's just physical and God, God can heal my body and, 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 and I, 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 I receive that. And yes, it is. But it's also material where God says, I want to take care of you that you realize regardless of what goes on in this earth experience, I am in partnership with you. I'm in partnership with you. So when it comes to this aspect that somewhere, I found a statistic that's alarming, that somewhere between 6 and 9% is the last statistic of church people, Christians actually tithe between 6 and 9%. So let's go on the low end. If it's 94% of the people in America, this was an American stat, Americans that are in church today that do not tithe, 94% of the amount of people that do not tithe, how many billions of dollars are kept back from the kingdom of God and its expansion even in the United States and the world? It's alarming. It's alarming. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Listen, un 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 unashamedly, boldly declare, I believe every person that says yes to Jesus, I'm going to be a partner with you. You should be a tither. You should give God the top 10% of your income. Whether you're on a fixed income, if you're making $15 an hour, or you're making $1,500 an hour, it makes no difference. Everyone should be in partnership with God. We boldly declare that. We believe that personally me and my family, and so many others around. For the kingdom of God to be advanced, we all have to understand the partnership matters. We have a participation in what God's doing in the earth. So, so what, what is this all about? What is, what is God trying to do? And what, what does God want to do in it? Uh, it's interesting, this one scripture in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 14, verse 23, in the Living Bible, it actually says this. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. The purpose. Here's the purpose. Put God first in your lives. That's the purpose. So when I tithe, I'm saying, God, I, I, I just got paid Friday. I'm going to honor you. Just like all of a sudden Mel, uh, Abraham got all that stuff and he comes back and Melchizedek is right there and, and he tithes. Lord, I, I'm going to, the purpose of tithing is to teach me to always put you first in my life. I need you in my life. I want you in my life. I believe that you're Lord of my life. And here is the proof. Not in church attendance. Not in prayer, not in walking grandma across a busy street. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first place in your life. I've said this before, 
Years ago, I'll tell it to you again right now, just concerning this, I'm always thinking about this, and I wrote it down here for you, is that tithing is not something that God does to raise money. If he owns the earth, he's pretty much got it figured out. God doesn't need, so remind yourself, when you give to God, money doesn't float to heaven. If you gave a lot electronically to God today or this week, the, the, the money you gave doesn't leave Spectrum Church account, and all of a sudden, there's a, there's a transaction that goes to heaven. There's no money needed in heaven. Money stays on the earth. Come on, somebody. To do the purpose of God, the kingdom of God on the earth. So tithing is not something that God does to raise money. Tithing is something God does to raise people. Raise people. Listen to me. Tithing is supernatural. It's not like paying your bills. Paying your bills is natural. Tithing is supernatural. When I pay my bills, I don't, I don't get on my knees and I don't say, Oh God, Lord, I'm asking you that you would bless SDG&E. I'm asking you, Lord God, that your hand would be on SDG. I'm going, Lord, I bind the devil over SDG&E. <laughs> Let my electricity rates come down. Let them come down, Lord. Come on, somebody. But you know what? When I tithe, when I tithe, let me encourage you. When you give, when you're generous, when you tithe, you do so with an act, the action, but you always do it with your mouth. Lord, I'm declaring to you, you are my ever-increasing source of supply. You are my supplier. You are my source. I'm in partnership with you. My God shall supply all my need according to your riches. And Come on, somebody. If God be for me, who can be against me? I boldly declare the Lord is my helper. Come on, church. Am I in the right place this morning? Yeah. It's with an action and it's with your mouth. So no longer do I say, I don't know what I'm going to do. No longer do I say, I'm not going to make it. I say, Lord, I'm in partnership with you. You're giving me wisdom. And he'll tell me, I've given you these finances to budget, to live within your means. So you can't buy everything your little BDI wants. You've got to live within your means. And he'll tell me other things up and beyond the tithe to be generous. So this is just the beginning point for our lives, I believe, Scripture tells us. Tithing is not something God does to raise money. Tithing is something that God does to raise people. Don't forget that. Concerning the tithe, the book of Leviticus, which you probably haven't read recently, says this in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. All the tithe, come on, say that with me. All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Read these last words. It is holy to the Lord. When it comes to the tithe, God says there's a portion of the money. If God owns it all, let's, let's be real. Everything you have right now isn't yours. You're a manager. You need to understand that. If you think you're an owner, you'll hold on tightly when God wants you to hold on loosely. That reminds me of a song. God wants you to hang on to your stuff with an open hand, not a closed fist. 
Understanding that God's the owner. All of it belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's, as we said a moment ago, and the fullness of it. Everything belongs to him, and he asks us to manage what belongs to him. But this portion of what he owns, he says, it is holy. It's holy. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs, God talking, to me. The tithe being holy means this means that it's sacred, means that it's set apart, it means that it's dedicated, it means that it's consecrated to the Lord. It doesn't belong to you, and it doesn't belong to me. I've told the story before. I was raised when a young kid, mom and dad were going to a Baptist church, and I love the Baptists because the Baptists don't mess around. The Baptists, when we were little kids, my mom and dad got it, and we got it too. When we, when we came to church, I'm one of three boys, all one year apart. And every year in December, before the start of a new year, we got this little box that was mailed to me, and it had my name on it. As a seven-year-old, had my name, Gary R. Isbell. And we lived in, we lived in New Jersey at the time, and, 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 and this little box came to me and my brother Bill and my brother Greg and my mom and dad, Bud and Joanna Isbell. We all got a box, and guess what the box was? About that big, and it was these little tithe and offering envelopes. It was mailed to your house. And the Baptist said, we ain't messing around. You're in partnership with us, and we're going to be partnered with God, and you're going to tithe up in here. <laughs> As a little kid, my mom and dad taught me about it, and we've enjoyed the benefit of it. And there have been challenging times, just like there will all the time. Tithing doesn't mean nothing, nothing challenging happens in your life. Tithing means that when something challenging happens in your life, you should be standing strong going, this is a challenging time. How we doing, partner? Come on, how we doing, partner? Tithing doesn't mean nothing, nothing's going to break. You know, let's pass through about three or four or five months ago, the refrigerator broke at the house. $3,000. Then the next month, the, 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 the washing machine broke and got a new motor, $550, $70. And then something else happened. My little bike computer broke, and that was another $600. Come on, listen to me. It doesn't mean stuff doesn't break, that you don't need tires on the car. It means you got to budget, baby, and believe God. In the middle of it all, we don't say, I'm cursed, it must be cursed. This, this ain't working. No, baby, it's working because you are blessed. Come on, everybody. You're blessed. So the tithe being holy means it's sacred, it's set apart, it's dedicated, it's consecrated to God. It doesn't belong to me and it doesn't belong to you. Listen to me. When you return to God what he has given to you, he then redeems and he blesses the rest. Listen to me again. When you return to God, this thing that's called holy, he redeems what's left and the rest of your life, the rest of your finances, the rest of what he's called you to manage, he redeems it. So let me ask you just some several questions here. I'll give them to you one at a time in bullet point on the screen. Just some things I was thinking this past week for you to ask yourself. You know, number one, do, do you believe that God will take care of you? Do you believe that? 
When you read Matthew chapter 6, he's going to care for the birds and the flowers. He'll take care. Do you, do you really believe that? Do you believe that? Look at this next one. If you let go of what's in your hand, do you believe God can fill your hand again? Come on, come on. If you let go of what's in your hand, do you believe that God's big enough that, he, that, that, that he'll fill your hand again? Or, or, do, or do you believe that when you let go of what's in your hand, it's just like, gone, gone. Now my money's dead and gone. And I say, hallelujah. <laughs> That's a song. I'm making them own lyrics. So come on, somebody. We ain't singing that up in here. But, but if you let go of what's in your hand, do, do you believe that God can fill your hand again? Look, 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 look at another one. Do you think God is trying to harm you or help you? He's in partnership with you. Is he trying to harm you? Is he trying to steal from you as a partner? We can't find that. Look at another one. If you give your money, do you believe there's more where that came from? Or all of a sudden, are you thinking, if I give this, it's never coming back? Again, read the Bible. I cast my bread on the waters, and it returns to me after many days. I sow, and I reap. I give, and I receive. There's more where that came from. Just last thought. Do you have an abundance mentality? Or a scarcity mentality? Do you have an, there's more where that came from. It's never going to run out. Or do you have a scarcity? Ooh, I got to get all my chips close to me. Ooh, you know that inflation? Oh, that's stinking Joe Biden. Mm. <laughs> or whoever. Oh, it's that Governor Newsom. Oh, it's that. Nancy Pelosi, whoever, come on, I'm just messing. But I'm just saying, if you have a scarcity mentality, you're not going to give nothing in the next several years. On the contrary, the scripture tells you this. In high inflation and high crazy prices, and when it's good and it's all green, he tells us this in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord. The word honor means esteem, value, show great respect with your possessions. Honor the Lord with your possessions. This is a stewardship issue. This is a management issue. Gary, you don't own the car. Gary, you don't own the house. Gary, you don't own the clothes. Gary, you don't own the 401k, the savings account, wh whatever it is. You don't own it. You are a manager of what is mine. God talking. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits. Anytime you see first fruits in the Old Testament, it's talking about the tithe. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all. All your increase. Stop right there. Look at this. Evidently, God wants you to have increase. Increase. Why would it be there? Why would it be there? He wants me to increase. He wants me to increase. Everywhere I'm at, he wants me to increase. He told me how to increase. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Get God involved in this natural thing in my life. 
And when I do, he says in verse 10, my barns, your barns are going to be filled with plenty. Old Testament, barns had their stuff. New Testament, your life, your accounts, whatever that is, your bank, your system, your savings, whatever, your investing, your barns will be filled with plenty. Evidently, God's okay with plenty. Plenty means more than enough. And your vats will overflow, interesting word, overflow more than enough with new wine. What do you do with plenty? What do you do with overflow when it's more than you need? You give it. You give it. How do I give it? How do I get to that place? Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. Honor the Lord. I'm going to honor the Lord. I'm going to revere the Lord. I'm going to respect the Lord. I'm going to value the Lord. I'm, I'm going to not just say it. I'm going to show it. I'm going to do it. This scripture is a cause and effect scripture. He says, if you'll do this, verse 9, honor the Lord with the, your, all your giving, that your stewardship and the tithe, then your life is going to look like this. He says, your barns are going to be filled with plenty. They're going to overflow with new wine. It, it, it's a cause and effect. So what we've been saying for the last several weeks is this thing called tithing activates God's blessing. Listen, it activates God's blessing in the material world in your life. Things happen for tithers that don't happen for people who just don't. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you straight up. You are going to... Ooh, let me tell it to you. And, not, and try to tell it to you with a smile. Non-tithers... When we read in Malachi chapter 3, the Bible says, and says this crazy word. He says, you're cursed with a curse. That's what he tells the nation of Israel. Listen, not, listen, you're cursed with a curse. What is that curse? Go back to Genesis with Adam and Eve. The curse is, Adam, you open up the door. Satan is now going to be the God of this world. You opened up the door. Now this earth is cursed. You were in the Garden of Eden. Everything you had was taken care of. You could eat any tree you wanted except that one tree. And you had to have that one tree. You got tricked. You got tricked. But now everything's cursed. Listen to me. Now there's going to be weeds where there used to not be weeds. Now, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to have to hew out a living. That's not the way it was in the beginning. That's not the way it was. Because you ate what I told you not to eat. That tree in Genesis was a type of tithe. Eat whatever you want, except that. That tree is holy. That tree belongs to God. And what's man want to do? Get there's 19,000 other trees, and our eyes get fixed on that one. God says, Gary, would you honor me with the tithe, this 10%, and my eyes leave the 90% and get fixated on the 10%. And I want to dabble with that. And God says, Gary, if you don't leave that alone, your earth system, your material world, listen to me, is under the curse, meaning you're on your own when it comes to this system.
I can be the Lord of your life. I can be the Lord of your life. You're going to heaven. That's secure. But now you got to figure all this stuff out without me in partnership with you. And I don't know about you, but I ain't smart enough to make it work. I haven't got, I got enough stress in my life between not trying to navigate that. I'm encouraging you. Trust God with your money. Can somebody help a preacher say amen? Let's read, listen to me. I don't know how long we're going to go this morning, but I got to read you this passage. I got to read you this story. We got to read this Old Testament story about a woman and Elijah. You got time to read? Come on, we in church. Come on, we, come on, we, come on. We're all caffeinated. We got an hour's sleep. Come on, let's, let's read this. I had two cups this morning. Come on, somebody. That's why you know I'm up in here. Check it out. Check it out. There's a famine in the land. Famine in the land. Can I tell you something? There's always going to be a famine in the land. When you read the Old Testament, there was famine after famine. There was stressful times after stressful times. So there's always going to be ups and downs in the economy. But God says, hey, partner with me. Come on, somebody. Partner with me. Look what happens here. Then the Lord said to Elijah, he says, go and live. Look at this live. Don't visit. Live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Zidon. Check it out. I have instructed. Another translation says, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Stop, hold the phone right there. I don't know about you. If I, God's talking to me. I'm saying, Lord, I don't want no widow. I want a rich woman. The widows in the Old Testament were poor. They were destitute. These weren't business owners generally. These were people whose husbands, of course, had died and left them lifeless. There's no social security. You're not coming across the border from the Rio Grande getting a cell phone and a thousand bucks a month. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. Let's keep reading. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, important notice in the Bible, he arrives at the gates of the village. In the Old Testament, everything that was decided between the judges and the justice and what was going on in the city was always decided at the gate. Listen to me. Emphatically, God, Elijah, meets the woman at a point of decision. What are you going to do right here? So God is causing this six foot two, 180 pound white man to yell at you this morning to say, what are you going to do at this point of decision? And just like God said, he sees a widow gathering sticks. And then he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, like any good preacher would do. Bring me a bite of bread, too. Hey, hey, babe, can, can, can you bring me a tortilla? That's a lot of words right there. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. This is her condition. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar, a handful, and a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug. I, I, I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I 
we're, we're going to die. Guys, this is a hopeless situation. This is an awful situation. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. I was praying uh, last night, woke up again early this morning. I, uh, I, I can't get over this. Just this, the, the first words that Elijah gave to her is a word I want to just shout over your life when it comes to tithing and trusting God with your finances. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He says, go ahead and do just as what you've said. Go, go get that cup, cup of water, and, 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 and you've got a little flour and a little oil, but make a little bread for me first. What, what, what did we say when we ever see the word first in the Old Testament? First fruits, first talks about the what? The tithe. The tithe. Uh, we've said this before, is that if Fox News, CNN, M M MSNBC, if the who's who were following this little poor situation out, this little woman, and they would see the prophet come, and the prophet of all people is asking a poor woman to give to him first, they would curse him up one side and down the other. And they would curse the God that he serves. You better be careful whose side you're on. Because this woman is getting ready to pick the right side. Make me a little bread first. Then use what's left. Oh, evidently there's going to be something left. To prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Then a word comes. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. There will Always, listen to me, church. You give to God first. I prophesy over your life based on what God said. There will always, always, always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said. She just didn't say, word of the Lord. No, she did it. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for, come on, somebody say, many days, many days, many days, many days, many days, many days, many days. The text said that God told Elijah to go to Zarephath, that I've commanded, check it out, I've instructed, I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you, to give to you. Then when he gets there, we read the encounter, she's at this place of decision, at this place called the gate where authorities and decisions are made for the city. It's a place for her, a place of which way do I go? What do I do? And God intersects her even though she had received a command from the Lord, she was still unpersuaded. And God sends Elijah to her and speaks to her and tells her, don't be afraid. I've just got a little flour. I've just got a little oil. 
We know God doesn't need much. But listen to me. God tells her and God's shouting over your life, don't be afraid. We, we, we could look back at this encounter now and just step back and we could say this, really, because we know the end. The end result, what we read, was that she and her boy, and it says her household, listen to me, and Elijah were fed all during that famine. We would actually step back now and go, you know what? It was the most merciful thing God could ever do to ask her to give. The most merciful thing wasn't, woman, you know what? Just sure, get, get your food together, get that little, make that last tortilla because everyone, starvation is going to hit you, which is what? Guys, help me out. 60 days? Four, you can fast 40, 50 days. All of a sudden, your body starts shutting down. She's got two months left to live, her and this boy, and they're dying. That was her vision. And the mercy of God comes to her and says, if you'll give to me first, if you'll honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase, doesn't look like much now, but it's all the increase you got, God is going to multiply what you have. Hmm. Wow. Listen, when the woman, when the woman obeyed and gave the first, she accessed resources from another dimension. Listen to me. We are not thinking clearly. We're not thinking clearly. <laughs> when it comes to this subject, we're thinking natural. You can't save yourself. You can't go to heaven by yourself. You can't even heal yourself. And when it comes to resources and this natural material world, you can't provide for yourself the way you need. Because it's not just about money. It's about what money can't even buy. What God says, as you honor me. If you get involved in my life, there'll be things that work for you that couldn't work up until then. Because it's a trust test. It's th th this aspect, this thing called the tithe is holy. Doesn't belong to me. It's consecrated, it's dedicated, it's separated to God. In the Old Testament, not Old Testament, not New Testament, but Old Testament. He says, if you actually touch that thing that's supposed to be mine, this thing that's called holy, the tithe, you've got to redeem it with even more to like pay interest on it if you mess with it. Listen, the system's jacked up. That's what's going on now. So many people are messed up in our finances and we're paying Visa and MasterCard 23%, 18%. When God says, I got a better way, I got a better way partner with me. Let me get involved in your finances. Let me get involved with your business. Live within your means. Budget. Budget. Talk to me about everything. Have your heart opened. I'm going to redeem the rest of your life. I'm going to redeem what's left. This woman says, I don't know what she's thinking. We're going to die anyway. Okay, I'm going to give it to you first. I'm going to give it to you first. And then for the, ever how long that famine lasted? Was it a year? Well, we know the famine. There was no rain in the land for three and a half years. How long it was? How long was this famine going on? I don't know. But the Bible says that she was sustained and her family was sustained because she accessed resources from another dimension. There was favor given to her. There was, every time she went, there was more flour. There was more oil. 
when she needed it. So here's the tithing principle. Listen, give God the first and he blesses the rest. Give God the first. I'm in partnership with you. This is what you require, not a church, not an organization, not a pastor. It's what you require. I give to you and you bless the rest. And we do know it takes faith to do that. It takes faith. It takes faith. But what's crazy to me about the story, and I was was reading again this week several times, and something jumped at me that's really never jumped at me again, and so we'll kind of stop here today because you listened real good. Because whenever we talk about money, it gets quiet in church. It's like, I don't know if you've ever been to a financial planner. Have you been to a financial planner? I, I know years ago we set up a meeting with a financial planner. I thought, dear God, man, he's talking about stuff, and I'm going, my Lord. And so when it comes to this in the church, I get it. I get it. For a lot of people, it's challenging. It's like we look at our own life. You don't get it, Gary. Nah, you don't get it. Nah, you know. And I go, I get it, man. I get it. I got to do exactly what you got to do. I got to believe God. I got to believe God. And I found God to be faithful. That when you give God the first, he blesses the rest. So check it out. God mercifully, through Elijah, shows up at a widow woman's house. Not a wealthy woman, a widow woman. Maybe you identify with that. He says, make me, go get me some water. You can do that, no big deal. There's some water left. But make me a cake first. (laughs) You got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. No, not kidding. God had already talked to her, but she needed that extra little push. And she does. And God shows up in a way she could never have imagined. Check it out, though. All the time during the famine, that little bit of meal, that little bit of oil was feeding her household. Listen to me. But do you know who else was there the entire time? Elijah stayed with her the entire time of the famine. Listen to me. Don't miss this part. People who tithe have the presence of God in their house, in their lives, that non-givers don't have. I'm not saying Jesus leaves them. I'm not saying we're not connected with God. I'm saying the awareness of God in my life in the midst of challenging days, troubling days, difficult days, or great days. Elijah was in her house. God will give you a word. Prophet represents a word. Got to give you a word to hold you, sustain you in challenging times, difficult times. Hang on to the word of God. Believe God. Let praise keep rising in your mouth. Hmm. He said, I'll open up the windows of heaven. Malachi says, pour out a blessing. We'll be room enough to receive it. Because you're in partnership with me. So we continually, 
every week, every month, every paycheck, increase, anything that comes your way, man, sale of a house, whatever. That's what we've done. <laughs> give away cars, give away money. Like I tell, told you last week, man, God's told us, challenged us several times. Give crazy amounts of money. $10,000 to this missionary, $25,000 to that person before. We sold some property before, got blessed. Ooh, we gave way more than $25,000 at a time. And I could have used it, but they could have used it more. God touched our heart. I refuse to allow wealth to reach my heart or riches to reach my heart. I wanna be proved faithful. I wanna be proved trustworthy because I realize it's not just about what goes on naturally. It's about what goes on beyond this realm, people finding Jesus Christ for eternal life. Can you say amen? amen. Come on, can you say a better amen? amen. Come on. <laughs> Tithing. Give God, worship God with the top 10%. Worship Him. Let me encourage you. So I said it a moment ago, we'll close here. Whenever you get your check, you're at a gate. You're at a gate. What do I do? Will I use it for myself, all of it, or will I honor God? Hey, young person, teenager, young adult, you're at a gate. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to be like this woman, and I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to give. And I'm going to watch God pour out and sustain me and his presence to be with us. And I guarantee you, all during this economic upheaval, God will provide. Do not be afraid. Can you say amen, everybody? Come on, do not be afraid. Come on, stand up, everybody. Lord, all over the room, we pray. We just thank you for uh, all of us being challenged with your word, Father God. Open our hearts, open our eyes, open our hands, Father, to every possibility and everything you're talking to us about this morning. We won't be afraid. We won't pull back. We won't go back. We won't draw back. But we're going to be people that believe God and we act on the word of God. Father, as Elijah was with this woman, you are with us. Your presence and your power are with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. So we can boldly say, the Lord is our helper. Help us, Lord God, this week. Help us this month. Help us as we look toward the end of the year, what you desire us to do even with our giving. Challenge us, oh Lord God. Father, we ask you, I'm praying for our church for favor, supernatural favor and increase. You said you'd increase us more and more. You bless us and bring increase more and more in every area of our life, us and our children. So we boldly declare that, that we're increased by God's goodness and favor so that we can keep being a blessing to every person and every good work. Come on, while your head's bowed, your eyes closed, no one looking around, give everyone the right to privacy. Maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you prayed that prayer before, but man, something was challenging in your heart today during worship, or as soon as you walked on, on the campus, you just realized, I need Jesus. I, I need to find him and follow him. All over the room, from the back to the front, if that's you, we don't have you come to the front. We just have you raise a hand and say, Pastor Gary, that's me. Just include me in this prayer. We're going to pray a prayer out loud and and you pray and join with us and we're gonna join with you and there's gonna be a spiritual transaction that happens in your life as you pray that prayer. So all over the room, you say, that's me, I need Jesus. Come on, when I count to three, just raise your hand. Just say, that's me, pray for me. One, come on, two, 
three, all over the room, just lift your hand. Say, that's me. I want Jesus this morning. Awesome. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you, young adults. Finding Jesus. Come on. Let's pray. You that raised your hand, say this with me. We're going to pray with you. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. In Jesus' name, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. So I believe in my heart, and I say with my mouth, God raised Jesus from the dead. Be my Lord, be my Savior forever and ever. I repent. I changed my mind. I changed my direction. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout amen and amen. Come on, we just clap our hands real big for those that prayed here in the room and online as well. Come on, let them hear you one more minute. Come on, God is good. He still changes lives. Yeah, he does.